Morning, and welcome to Haven Tree Parent Podcast, where we get a chance to talk about something that's important to us and to you before the kids wake up. Today, we are going to talk about the social impact of childhood cancer on a family. All right, so like you said, today we're going to talk about the social impact on our family or families with kids with cancer, and this is probably another one of the Josh subjects because this is where, I don't know, probably I got hit the most as far as like the being social and giving out and doing things <laughs> with other people and uh, getting to do all those experiences yeah. um, of life. And since we were on a new course for uh, Kenzie's cancer treatments, it was sort of, we had to pull back from that. And... Um, there's definitely, I don't know, some lack of just the whole social aspect has been hard to deal with for the last few years. Um, there's something we, and we'll get into this, uh, just been times where, you know, I've tried to push for just doing simple events, even if, you know, Kenzie can't be involved, but trying to make sure that she doesn't feel like she's not included with that. Um, but just sort of like find reasons to, go do something social or have a social event that, you know, gives us some sense of normal relations with people outside of just our family. Um, and that's been hard in this course of two years worth of treatments plus, you know, uh, flu season and now COVID and yeah. all this other things um, that just, you know, keep bringing us back to staying home. So we've definitely had plenty of time to learn all of the routines that we need to have for uh, <laughs> doing nothing right now. Um, but it's been, uh, not an easy, what process to just cut out your social life. Uh, yeah. it's, yeah. we've gotten to that point where we've been able to, to manage it, but it was definitely, I don't know, hard to get to this level of doing nothing basically, except for trying to just have fun with your family. So, well, and I think, you know, we struggled with it for a couple of different reasons, you know, one. On one hand, um, you are very much the extrovert, and I'm very much the introvert in our family. Um, and so you struggled a lot with not being able to do stuff. Um, and then I think, too, we uh, have always been very family-oriented in the way that we do. You know, we do lots of activities as a family. That's just, you know, part of being a family, I guess, or our culture of family. Uh, and so, you know, there have been times where it's like, well, you know, Josh and the kids can do something and I can stay home with Kenzie, you know, and, and that, um, is not how we wanted to do family events. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, the, and even doing anything like that, I think it took a year to get to that point where mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the bigger kids and go do something. Yeah. And Cause there's always the fear home, of bringing so. home, you know, germs back to Kenzie. Um, yeah. You know, and then trying to balance that with never wanting the kids to blame Kenzie for not being able to do fun stuff, you know, or or whatever. Um, So there are a lot of things that we've had to figure out how to juggle um, related to that. Certainly the conversation is timely now um, (laughs) as everyone is experiencing some amount of social isolation. Um, And, you know, quite frankly, we've been dealing with it a lot longer than most of the world has. Um, and it's not something that we would wish on anybody. Right. No, I had friends that asked at the beginning of this year when this whole, everything started getting shut down, like how 
we have managed with things over the last two years of just yeah. like cutting back on social aspects. And in a weird way, I told them like, what, seeing that everything was getting locked down, what wasn't encouraging um, by any means, but it was what well, I put everybody on a playing field where we were all the same. <laughs> so it wasn't like I felt like I was missing out and not and seeing people could do things and events that I could no longer do because now everybody couldn't do them. Um, and so <laughs> for like that two, sounds really unkind and selfish. I know, Josh. I know it does. <laughs> and th- that's what I'm saying. Like for for two years, I felt like I was missing out while everybody else got to do stuff and so seeing that everybody was now closed off from them yeah it was a totally different mind shift for me yeah so i'm not saying like i want i'm glad that everybody else had two years i'm just saying like for two years i'd been stuck in that process of like everybody else can do these things but we can't right now so you do bring up an interesting point and i kind of mentioned it i think um just like a week ago maybe just because they asked the question and that was just my response you know it it is something that like there is, as parents, kind of this difficult social dynamic where you don't, or at least I uh, avoided um, parents of kids with cancer for a long time um, because I had a hard time handling my own emotions. Um, And so hearing anything negative from um, other parents was really difficult and overwhelming for me. Um, and so that was, you know, sort of the way that I protected my own, you know, mental well-being, emotional well-being, whatever. Um, and even now, like when I see or hear people talking about like relapses and things like that, or, you know, like I came across something the other day that was like any, any missed dose of chemo, uh, is makes a kid four times more likely to experience a relapse or some, you know, like some like random and immediately like my thought was like, Oh my gosh, have we ever missed a chemo dose? You know what I like? And it just is like this instinctive, like anxiety arises of like something could something bad, something terrible could be right around the corner. And so for me, you know, mostly avoiding, um, or not having real in-depth conversations with other, um, cancer parents was, um, something that I needed to do for my own, you know, whereas you kind of sought out like groups and things like that for, right now, for you know, shared experiences and stuff. Um, yeah, for I was, me, I, I was more I, digging into those things. Yeah. I was like, okay, who do I need to talk to? Where's the ad source of information? And uh, I really stayed away from that. Right. And um, I wanted, I wanted to learn about it as much as I could. I wanted to know, I was like, maybe I'm going to go back to school and become a leukemia doctor. I don't know. Right. Cause I'm going to dig into this and just, you know, cure cancer right now. Cause I got to save my kid. So, but then on the flip side, it was also very difficult to interact with, um, some of my, our friends, um, or even just do normal things. You know, like I remember a couple months after Kenzie was diagnosed, we went, I went with a friend to Applebee's. Um, and it was just, you know, like we were going to go out, go to Applebee's, just have dinner, catch up on life. And Applebee's was doing like an Alex lemonade stand, uh, program, like deal where like, you know, do you want to donate $5 with your bill to Alex's lemonade stand? And we'll put a you know, lemon with your name on the wall. And I like burst into tears, you know, and it was just like, you know, Alex's lemonade stand had contacted us, you know, um, about like the stuff that they do for families of kids with cancer. And like, so even social events that like just seemed very benign and, um, 
not threatening or not a big deal became um, situations that were sometimes difficult um, or were unexpectedly like emotional. Um, and it did make me, you know, not want to go into the world and potentially face that sometimes. Um, because I never knew like when something like that would be there, you know, like a simple trip to Applebee's was not so simple, you know, or, um, you know, when, when friends would talk about, you know, the birthday parties and you guys are all invited and like, well, have fun, you know, and like, it is such a a lose-lose kind of thing, right? Because like, I would have felt badly had we started to be excluded from those things, right? So I'm thankful that our friends still invited us, even though they knew we couldn't come. But then it also felt really crappy to have to continue to say like, I'm sorry that we're going to miss it, you know, have fun, we'll send a gift, whatever, you know. Um, and so, you know, if, if you have any one of our friends is watching this, like, thank you for continuing to include us. Um, that was the right, you know, right choice. Right. Um, but it, it still hurt, you know, it still stung to have to like continue to turn those things down and think like eventually someday we'll be able to do that again, but it's not going to be anytime soon. Um, right. And even our, our current home, like we want to like sort of have social events here and right. you know, bonfires and people over to swim or, you know, yeah, see we have some a animals pool to and... be able to share with other people. We yeah. had homeschool groups and church people come to see our animals. Like that was, you know, we wanted this to place share to, we wanted this others. place yeah, to, to you know? have fun with people. So, and we haven't been able to do that. You know, um, we haven't been able to go to church you know thankfully our church has always had services online since kenzie's been diagnosed um but the kids weren't able to go to children's church you know and we struggled with that and the fact that we had always been a family that was you know the three times a week errs you know and uh suddenly we were you know zero in in two years you know right. well there was a there was a leak um, at least two months i think last year there's been year, a couple of times yes that i think we've last summer to. i finally broke out and was like okay look she's out she's coming down off of her high dose chemo yeah, where things were okay old enough that we can do some stuff um and so i think we made it to like maybe three or four different social activities that were amazing right. um and then, and then we once, had to lock things back and then once again. fall season was coming again like we were like okay let's re- yeah. stop going out to all these yeah. places and try to you know minimize exposure to germs and just life yeah so i mean not only has there been that that literal isolation from people but i think more difficult um has been sort of that um the isolation of not being able to be genuine or understood um and i think that that's for me at least where it's been really difficult um you know because it's like I don't know. It's it's hard to um, express what you're going through sometimes and not feel guilty or mean or selfish or dramatic. Or, you know, like like there's so many um, worries about relapse. You know, and like I feel like sometimes when I've said stuff like that to friends, it sort of is like, well you know, Kenzie's done so well and, and we're just going to keep praying that that relapse doesn't happen. Right. And it's like, 
those are the right words to say. I don't know any better words to say, right? If I was, if the roles were reversed, I would have nothing better than that to say. Uh, but it also doesn't really make me want to say it or share it again, you know? And, and so it's, it's very like isolating in how open you want to be sometimes with people. Um, just because it's, just feels awkward and uncomfortable, you know, or like, like there have been people that had no idea. Like I remember I like when we were looking at moving, um, our care from one children's to a different one, I reached out to, um, a co a previous coworker, um, and dear friend who I knew had worked at the hospital we were planning to go to and just kind of ask, like, I was like, Hey, you had worked on the oncology floor prior to, you know, what, what we do now. And she was like, yeah, why? And, and I, you know, just like texted back, like, you know, because, um, we are thinking about moving our daughter's care down there instead. And, uh, so then she calls me and she was like, I had no idea that Kenzie had cancer. Like, you know, and she's just somebody that hadn't been on Facebook a whole lot. Obviously I hadn't been working there anymore because of Kenzie's diagnosis, you know? So like she just hadn't, hadn't heard. And, and I felt really bad. Like, I'm sorry that I, you know, told you this flippantly in a text, you know? Um, and so it was very like awkward sort of encounter. Um, just, you know, and so like, there are times that like, and I'm sure that you've had that experience at work too, where, you know, somebody will say like, Oh, how's it going? And, you know, you say like, yeah, things are going fine. My daughter's in the hospital right now for chemo. And they're like, what? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. and so. Well, I think I did that once. And then I think the, the next weekend, he, his wife made a blanket and we got it for Kenzie. Oh, yeah. It was, and we love it. She it's loves so that blanket. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was definitely like a random work conversation. And it was like, uh, well, right. he's like, I told my wife and she went to this with your daughter. So <laughs> Which is she, so sweet. She made this uh, amazing blanket for you. And it was pink and green and yellow and it was beautiful beautiful so. we got yeah. so many compliments at the hospital but <laughs> um you know but like so there's kind of this weird dynamic sometimes too of like it becomes just like second nature or like you do things just because you're thinking about how you're going to juggle like so like you know now i'm i have had two pregnancies while kenzie's going through treatment which is I don't recommend that you ever be pregnant if you have to <laughs> have to go through this. It is very overwhelming. Or in um, the middle of a pandemic or whatever. Yeah, none of it. Uh, anyway, so, you know, so like I would try to schedule several of my OB appointments in advance um, so that I could work around um, chemo and different things like that. And s- there have been a couple of times where I've gotten like pushback from the front desk workers like, well, we don't typically schedule more than two out or like different things like that. And, you know, and I would just say like, you know, I understand that I had talked with the doctor. She said it was fine because my daughter's going through treatment for leukemia. And, you know, so I need to be able to plan around that. And, and they would just like have this like deer in the headlights look of like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, and it was like, I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to make you feel bad or like, get special accommodations. I, I just really need to schedule a few appointments so that I can schedule my daughter's chemo, you know? And, and so like, it kind of became sometimes this awkward thing of like, I would almost hesitate to say that or like be cautious about what I said sometimes 
because even though it was just a it's just a part of life for us right now i would make other people uncomfortable you know and so trying to to balance that sometimes was a very weird dynamic um and again like a way that that it just became kind of uncomfortable or something that we tried not to talk about because we didn't we were not wanting other people to be uncomfortable you know um and then i think then the challenge became like other people didn't want to ask because they thought we didn't want to talk about it, you know? And so, so on both ends, it kind of became this awkward topic sometimes. Um, and so, you know, again, you know, we think it's important to talk about it so that others that may have a friend or somebody that's going through something similar, um, you know, kind of have, have an insider's perspective a little bit. Well, and that's, I mean, again, like I said, it's awareness month and that's why we <laughs> want to talk about these things is because it well, provides awareness for, you know, the next family yeah. or whoever else you might know that could be facing this and just gives you, like she said, the insider information on, uh, what they're going through and just the levels mm-hmm. of intensity that there is, um, or yeah. needs or gaps in the day or whatever. I mean, it's not, everybody's going to do exactly as we've done. No, certainly um, not. And there's going to be a lot more, you know, your miles will, will vary. Kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And like you said, too, when we, having Obi, I mean, he's been only around family or yeah. the 17 nurses that we've seen at the hospital yeah. or, you know, the doctor's teams. And that's pretty much he knows us. He's and not ever. Those people, so we were talking right before we started, like he's been to church twice maybe to get dedicated and then you know maybe three other days so So, you know whereas like our other kids you know always were like excited to go to the nursery staff like yay this is what we do all the time you know like (laughs) like i think different ideas but oh well uh you know and i think like someday when obi's like almost three we're we'll finally be able to go back to church and it's going to be something he's never done or remembered mm-hmm. you know and like how strange that will be for him or mm-hmm. like i'm sure he'll love it but uh, well he probably will because it's ob but you know or like when we went to the hospital for him to get stitches like i thought it was so funny to watch the way that he interacted with the nurses because he hasn't really had the opportunity to do that mm-hmm. for his entire life <laughs> and you know to see how confident was he with strangers? Did he get upset when they got close to him? You know, like different things like that, because he hasn't had the opportunity um, for for any of his life that he can recall um, to to interact with strangers, you know? Or I remember the first time things were going well um, and Kenzie's counts looked really good. And so we like went to the grocery store and she just like looked around everything with like this wide-eyed mm. wonder but like the last time she had been at a store, she'd been two, you know? And so there was Ugh. like right. this aspect of like her not even really remembering going to the grocery store, which is something that, you know, we take for granted and is a chore. Right. Uh, and, that's, you know? and that's, again, this, like I said, this probably ties in emotion on some emotional level for myself because wanting to want to do these social things mm-hmm. and knowing that that's been a case where she's gone to the store once and like... Yeah been awed by it and <laughs> knowing that there's so many more cool better things out there that i would love to be than able the grocery to go store to and show her or all the kids yeah. um that haven't been able to take those opportunities yeah. and it, it, it 
on some weird level, like it pains me in the back of my mind to know that they're missing out on those opportunities mm -hmm. as we go through these treatments and this pandemic and yeah. wanting to go and show them all these cool places that are out there for them to go experience Kings Island or whatever, you know, the, the next closest thing. And, um, and just go do stuff that is fun for them to learn mm -hmm. and just see the world. Yeah. Um, which you know, it might be on fire right now, but you know, in their minds, <laughs> it won't be. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I hate that they were missing out on those, what, experiences at this and point. And especially Ken's. But with we'll, the, with we'll her, get there. We'll get there. Yeah, with her personality, like she lives for adventure. You know, she lives for, you know, her adrenaline junkie self, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so the fact that like we talk about like when, when your cancer is gone and your button is out, her port, uh, we're gonna, you know, do these adventures and we're gonna, you know, do this and that. And yeah, it's probably, um, it's probably part of the hope that we have is just like yeah. being able to get out and go. And I think that things. that is important, you know, to talk about, um, we are going to do this. We are, you know, what do you want to do? Um, where do you want to go? What do you want to see? Um, and I think it's important to talk openly with, you know, those siblings as well. Um, it has been, I think there has, have been phases where it's difficult for some of the kids, um, or where there's some frustration about not being able to do something. Um, and I think it's important to let your kids to talk with them honestly about that and say like, I know that it stinks that we can't go to King's Island right now, um, but we will do it. Um, but right now it's important that we keep Kenzie healthy and we keep us healthy and there are fun things we can do at home and then sticking to that, you know, whether that's like, we're all going to have a camp out in the living room and eat popcorn and junk all night and watch three movies before you all pass out. You know, that's not, that's not the same as going to Kings Island or doing the f super, excuse me, super fun things. Um, but it is still fun, you know. It is still a way to make memories, even though we're stuck at home. Um, you know, one year we had Halloween and we had them trick or treat <laughs> around our house, you know. And I was upstairs in one room, and Josh was in the basement somewhere. And every they would like come and knock on the door on the, like our bedroom door and say trick or treat, and I would answer the door in a silly voice. And then they would go and run down to Josh, get a piece of candy, and then they would come back up, and I would answer in a new weird voice or, like, you know, like, quick chip, put a scarf on my head or, like, just do different silly things uh, so that it was silly and fun. Yeah, and it was nice because we made sure we didn't get any of those orange and blue, whatever those Tootsie Roll things are because those are nasty. <laughs> so we knew the candy they were getting was the candy was we good, wanted. It was good candy that I could steal. <laughs> no, <laughs> You know, and so it was, like, was that... I don't know. Like, was that the best Halloween ever? I don't know. But they enjoyed it. Like, they still remember that Halloween yeah. and talk about it, right? Yeah, they so still dressed like, up and got candy. And and we were silly and they painted pumpkins. And, you know, like, remember when you put on that one scarf and you talked like a pirate? And, you know, or like, mm -hmm. uh, so they, they remember and value um, and take the emotions that you, you give them, you know? So if, if what you're saying to them is like, well, we can't do, we can't do Halloween this year because of Kenzie's cancer. Sorry guys. I know that it stinks, but maybe next year, like, or if you say like, Hey, 
we can't do this, but we're going to do something else instead and just make it fun and silly. Like that's, that's what they're going to take from that when they're still little, you know, yeah. once you and have teenagers year, that might be different, but <laughs> and you then know. last year we actually tried to do Halloween and it was ice freezing, sleet, yeah. Light, yeah, freezing rain and it was awful. So, but the same is true of like birthdays, you know, like, uh, yes, it stinks when we can't, Kenzie's never had a birthday party, you know, and we love to have a couple birthday parties for kids each year and we take turns. Kenzie's never had a birthday party. Um, and we plan to like have a big one uh when we're finally able to um probably when probably number six <laughs> but um, <laughs> not in january it's not gonna be this year i don't <laughs> think um probably when she's six but um you know like we can still make it fun we can still do silly things we can you know rent a blow-up house and put it up in our basement and just you know go crazy or or whatever you know there are still ways to make events um, and memories, uh, even when you're stuck at home, um, even when you're, you know, protecting your loved ones. Um, and that's true, obviously for us, you know, having a kid with cancer that's still in treatment, but it's also true, you know, if you're dealing with the social isolation stuff of, of just the pandemic and the craziness. Um, you know, I've, I've had some dear friends, um, complain about, like not being able to do X, Y, or Z um, because of, of the pandemic. And it, it has, you know, kind of created some weird emotions for me. You know, on the one hand, I don't want anybody to have to deal with the isolation that we have. You know, it's horrible and it's not fun. And it's emotional and stressful and overwhelming and you know it's just not fun well yeah and that's what i was um, trying to say at the beginning i know i said it weirdly but it's okay yeah but then at the same time it's a little hard for me to hear because you know like there's a part of that thinks like you've heard and watched sounds like there's a dog itching right <laughs> above us <laughs> uh you've heard and watched us go through this for two years like what what do you want me to say you know and and it just is like it is a little bit uh strange sometimes and so i think you know if you happen to be somebody that's you know a parent of a kid with cancer yourself i think you know my my statement to you would be it's okay to feel that way sometimes you know um i think it's important to accept that and move on and not dwell on that because I think when you dwell on those things then you could become a really mean-spirited person um but it is okay um and it is normal to have those frustrations or those thoughts sometimes um and talk to somebody that you're close to and you trust about it and then just move on you know and understand that everybody has kind of their own things and their own lives and their own things that they don't talk about either um, that they may be going through. And so that's okay, you know? Um, but, but there's also nothing weird or horrible about you, you know, kind of like what you were saying too, about like, um, uh, in some ways, like everybody else is experiencing what I have been. So I don't for once feel like I'm missing out a whole lot, you know? And (laughs) like, that can sound really mean. And I know it's not meant to be, but like, it is also normal to kind of feel some of those things. So, um, you shouldn't necessarily feel guilty about that, but you should also um, just probably be thoughtful and conscientious about how much 
of your mental space that's consuming, um, you know, and that that's not growing into something ugly and unkind or hateful. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, you know, uh, a beautiful way to end on that. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. So I hope um, this has been encouraging to you um, or has given you a glimpse into two years of social isolation instead of eight months or whatever it's been for most of the world. Uh, so yeah. Right. Yeah. Two years ago was the first time we heard the phrasing of being new normal. And I think what we finally learned what that meant and made it work for us. Yeah. Uh, I know. I see lots of those, like, we don't like new normal. Like, dude, I'm telling you what, neither do I, but I've been doing it for a long time. I feel you. Yeah. So yeah. And parents with kids, kids are long ago from before us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Make sure you like, subscribe, share this with whoever you think that would be interested in it. And we will see you on the next adventure. Bye. Bye.